Hello and welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Project 119 Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Mary and it's my pleasure on this Friday, October 6th, to welcome a guest to the podcast. Today we have reading for us John Keith. You may know him as J.K. J.K. and his wife, Sarah Lynn, are members of the church and their son, John, as well, who is off at college. He'll tell you more about that later in the podcast. Thank you, John, for joining us today. Mary, thank you so much for having me. It's my honor to be here. Today, we're going to read Matthew 20, 17 through 31. As Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, he took 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. When we get to Jerusalem, he said, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, whipped, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, will you let my two sons sit in the place of honor next to you, one at your right and the other at your left? But Jesus told them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from this bitter cup of sorrow? I'm about to drink. Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. You will indeed drink from it, he told them, but I have no right to say who will sit on the throne next to mine. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that in this world kings are tyrants and officials lord it over the people beneath them. But among you it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even... I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. As Jesus and the disciples left the city of Jericho, a huge crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd told them to be quiet, but they only shouted louder. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped in the road and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, We want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. Now everybody turned to Psalm 39. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will curb my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew to the bursting point. My thoughts grew hot within me and began to burn, igniting a fire of words. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An eternal lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. We're merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. 
we heap up wealth for someone else to spend. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Rescue me from my rebellion, for even fools mock me when I rebel. I'm silent before you. I won't say a word, for my punishment is from you. Please don't punish me anymore. I'm exhausted by the blows from your hand. When you discipline people for their sins, their lives can be crushed like the life of a moth. Human existence is as frail as breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cries for help. Don't ignore my tears, for I am your guest, a traveler pushing through, as my ancestors were before me. Spare me so I can smile again before I am gone and exist no more. Thank you so much, John, for joining the podcast and for reading for us today. I want to hear a little bit more about you. Tell me where you grew up and then tell me a little bit about your family. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. This could be fun, Mary. I grew up here in Mountain Brook in our community. Um, lived here my whole life outside of going to Alabama in college. Uh, I'm married to Sarah Lynn. Her maiden name was Jackson. She grew up here in Mountain Brook. Um, so we've been here basically our entire life. We have one child. We have a son, John, who is a junior at Alabama. How did you and Sarah Lynn meet? We met through my stepmom. Sarah Lynn lived in the same condo complex with uh, my dad and my stepmom. They were on the Homeowners Association board together, and she said, hey, there's this really cute, attractive girl I think you might want to go out with. I'm like, huh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, are you being serious? Are you telling me the truth? She just knew I was desperate. I needed a date. Oh, and how long did you guys date? We dated from 97 to 2001. I begged her and pleaded. I mean, I just did everything <laughs> I could to try to get her to marry me. I mean, after turning me down so many times, she finally had to give in. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about her personality. Sarah Lynn's personality is the exact opposite of mine. Um, she's quiet, um, but she, like me, loves people has many friends, everybody loves her. She just doesn't like to be real boisterous. She doesn't like to be loud. Okay, I want to hear a little bit about John. Tell me about his personality and what he's studying at Alabama. John's a lot more like Sarah Lynn. They're both introverted, but I certainly have my introverted qualities too, but they're both introverted. They're much smarter than me, which is, that is, thanks be to God. <laughs> he's an accounting major down at Alabama, and he's doing well. We're really proud of him, and he just loves being down there and his friends, and he's just, you know, maturing. Okay, so I hear a theme. You went to Alabama, and so does John. Is your family big into football? We love football. John is a lot bigger into football, and Sarah Lynn's bigger into football. They're both bigger into football than I am. I'm kind of over it. I've been doing football, <laughs> Alabama football, since I was about six. So on Saturdays, do you watch the games? We do watch the games on Saturday. In fact, if you try to turn the TV channel when Sarah Lynn's watching football, you are in trouble. Uh -oh. She loves football, and we enjoy it. It's fun. Tell me a little bit about your profession. I'm a financial advisor, so I manage people's investments, financial planning, really generally work with people that are older, 
planning for retirement and making sure they get to the end of their life um, financially sound and creating the legacy that they want for their loved ones. Tell me a little bit about your interest. What are you into? I enjoy playing golf. I like to exercise. I exercise a lot. Um, what kind of exercising? Well, I built a poor man's gym in my garage. So <laughs> Tell that's, me more. Yeah, so that's where I really like to spend most time. And I do a spin um, with a bike that I have down there, and I do push-ups, and I got my ear pods in and I play music real loud and it's uh, sweaty and I love it like that it's a smelly place and (laughs) I like it old school Um, and I liked when I exercise I really like being by myself that's kind of a thing that um, where I can refresh and where I can re-energize myself and um, it's quiet and nobody's bothering me and nobody's in my way. But you said you're listening to music, so help us imagine. What, what's on your playlist? I listen to Christian gospel music. I listen to praise music. I listen to 80s rock. I listen to 90s. I listen to, listen to disco music. <laughs> I listen to Saturday Night Fever. When you exercise a lot, of course, for the people that are listening and do it, you've got to always change up your music variety because things get boring and you're always looking for the next playlist. So I listen to a lot of different things. One thing I don't like is country music. I've never liked country music. So that's the only thing that's not on my playlist. Tell me a little bit about your personality. Are you, I I think you're extroverted, but I just heard you say you like your alone time. Tell me a little more. Well, I don't have a real good personality. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really, so it's funny. I have an extroverted side to me where I love people. I love developing relationships. I love connecting with people. I don't like superficial conversations. If I can't connect with you on a deep level and it's not substantive, I'd rather us kind of not have a conversation. I don't like big crowds. In big crowds, I have a real hard time having a substantive conversation with people. I don't like big parties. It's too noisy for me. I like to really, truly be uh, with a small group of people, generally eight, ten people, where I feel like I can talk to everybody there. Otherwise, I'd rather be at home and be by myself or be with Sarah Lynn or we're watching a movie or I'm exercising or I'm reading. I do really need quiet time, though. I need time to myself to re-energize Uh, and refresh. I'm an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person, which is somebody who really takes everything in in their surrounding environment. And it can really get you tired and kind of drain your energy from time to time. Um, But I have a real zest for life and I really do love people, but I'm really interested in what makes people tick. I like to hear their story. Speaking of stories, I would like to hear your story of faith, how you came to know the Lord. Well, thanks for asking the question. And I'm real passionate about that, Mary, because I'm a guy that grew up here in Mountain Brook and I didn't have a spiritual background and I really struggled growing up. Um, It was a lot about partying and wine, women, and song because I really didn't know what else to do. And That's the culture I grew up in in the 80s. But in 07 and 09, when the economy melted down, the stock market melted down, my income melted down, 
we were in free fall and the world was in panic. My job got really hard. I lost a lot of my income. Um, I went through a period of depression. I didn't know what to do, but thank God and literally thank God, he sent somebody in my life, um, Richard Simmons, who I developed a relationship with, and I actually got saved as a 40-year-old man in 2008, and that was truly the beginning of my walk with Christ in my Christian life, and I got saved, and it was incredible. It was still very hard. It took me several years to really understand what it even meant to be a Christian, Um, and as I've grown um, spiritually, I just have a real heart for people in our community, because perhaps there's people that are out there now that are struggling like me, and that's not to say that I don't still struggle, because I do struggle, but I know this. If we have a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit is living in us and we are trying with plenty of imperfection to be obedient to Christ and live with the will that he has for our life, we're going to have a lot better life. We can love each other so much more. And I'll say one of the biggest drivers to me about being a Christian and having a relationship with Christ is to truly live in humility. If you can picture a triangle, and inside a triangle, there are three walls. There's compete on one wall, there's compare on the other wall, and then the bottom wall is perform. And if we're not careful, in the middle of that triangle are our eyes, our eyes that we see out of. We can just ping from wall to wall and struggle. And when we're living in that triangle, Mary, we're living in pride, and we're living in sin. And I still struggle with it, but a lot of people in our community do. But what if? What if if we lived in another triangle where inside the triangle on one wall was God's character, on the other wall was God's wisdom, and then on the third wall was God's love? And in the center of that triangle, what if our eyes saw through that? That's empowering. That's humility. That's where we want to live. So really, it's about us receiving God's love. I mean, there's an accompanying triangle too. So if there's God's love, our love for others, and our love for God, that's where we want to be. And then when we get to the end of our life, God will say, hey, I forgive you for your sins. They've been many, but job well done. As you were speaking, I thought about Psalm 39, which you read, and the idea of the brevity of life. And because of that, how we should put our hope, not in ourselves, not in that triangle you mentioned first, but in the Lord and in his character and his wisdom and his love. John, tell me about an area of discipleship that you think is very important in the faith. Small groups small groups. Everybody needs to be in a small group so they can connect in a deep way with other people and everybody can share what is really truly going on in their life. And I'm talking not about fluff. I'm talking about real issues, real problems. We all have wounds, Mary. We all need to be healed. If we don't get healed, we're not going to have freedom. And one of the best ways that God wants us to get healed is to connect with others, like-minded Christians. And what we find is that we're 
going through a lot of the same things and the same problems, and it helps us connect and not feel lonely about them. I see you serving on Sunday mornings as a greeter and as someone who loves to connect with people, I think that's an awesome place for you. Tell me a little bit about that ministry. It's just a great way, like you said, Mary, to connect with people and see people and encourage people. What if somebody is just visiting the church for the first time? Well, it's hard. It can be kind of awkward or uncomfortable, and you're kind of unsure coming into some new church. And if you encourage them, inspire them, what are you doing? I mean, you're just showing them some love. And so I think that's a wonderful thing to be doing. And I think it's a big part of the body of Christ and what we should be doing as members at Mount Brook Baptist. And that's part of my gifting is connecting with people and making people feel warm and comfortable. And it's just a real important, vital part of the ministry. Are there other passages of Scripture that encourage you along your path or your journey of faith? I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Trust His will and everything you'll do, and He will direct your path. That's challenging, but it really kind of summarizes what we should be doing as Christians. And I fall short all the time, but it's still a powerful verse. And Mary, I love another verse that has really hit home with me and resonated in my life over the years. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not all people who sound religious or really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Go away. The things you did were unauthorized. And Mary, when I read this passage, I just remember back when I was just living with so much pride. When I'm living with this pride or lived with this pride, there's this presumption that I'm assuming I'm going to heaven, that I'm a Christian. But presumption is just the spirit of pride. And at the time, I didn't even know Christ in some ways, and it doesn't sound very good, but you're almost using Christ to get what you want. You're setting up all these other material things, earthly, natural things in your life that are false idols. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say that it was a miracle. And God is still a God of miracles. Miracles happen every day in people all the time especially if you're willing to go to him humbly, confess your sins, repent, and turn from them. It doesn't mean you're not going to sin again. We will continue to sin, but God loves us. And we can't really understand in our mind, in our hearts, how much God loves us because God's infinite and we're finite. We're finite earthly beings that only know so much. John, it's been such a pleasure to hear how the Lord has transformed you through the power of His Spirit and how He is using you in the lives of other people. As we end the podcast today, would you pray for our fellowship and for those who may still be searching for what it 
truly means to follow Christ. Absolutely. Um, Jesus, I pray that you just touch, you miraculously touch everybody that is listening to this podcast. Everybody that might be, or somebody that might be having a doubt or don't know, I pray that you touch their hearts, that you give them the individual messages they need, Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit just fills everybody that is listening with your character, your wisdom, and your love. Thank you just so much um, for Mount Brook Baptist Church. Thank you so much for your what you're doing. I pray that your Spirit just speaks to all of us. I pray that you just bless our congregation. Fill us with your humility, Jesus. Show us the way that you want us to go. Um, we want to glorify you in everything we do. We just love you so much. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for forgiving us um, with all our many sins. Thank you for your patience. And then just thank you just so much for this podcast. And I pray that it just glorifies you. And I pray for many, many miracles to happen through this podcast. And we just give you all the credit and all the glory. Amen.